Lord, we thank you for this time. Allow your name to be magnified so we may understand you better and we can calm and quiet any distractions, Lord. Let your spirit just, just lead us, guide us, and be a fresh presence. It's in Jesus' holy name we pray. Amen. Amen. Sometimes you get, you get born into some drama. You get, you get born into a little bit of an issue, to a little bit of a rivalry. I remember uh, um, I'm, I'm from Cleveland, and uh, some of my Cleveland sports teams, uh, we didn't like the Denver Broncos, and we didn't like Pittsburgh, and I didn't know why. All I knew is we didn't like them. I, I started to go to the school named Ohio State, and as I was getting ready to go there, they start saying this stuff about the state up there. Now, I didn't understand what that meant, but what they were doing was saying, you know what, the state up there is not even worthy enough for us to call them by name. It was, it was, <laughs> it was Michigan. And so I'm getting welcomed into this kind of rivalry, and I really don't know it, and it, and it really hits a head when I'm at school and we have a football game, and at the football game, somebody from Michigan drives down supporting their team, and they have the nerve in the back window to say something like, Ohio State sucks. That car, those people came back to stickies, the little sticky post-it notes about this big, the little yellow ones, over their entire car. Tires, windshield wipers. You could see no paint on their car. Their green car was now yellow. Windows, everything, yellow. But that was like minor in comparison to how the school would erupt if we lost the big game. Cars flipped over. Trees, somehow they get to rocking and leaning on a tree and the trees coming down. I mean, it was crazy. And what was crazy for me, to be honest, as a black man standing in the midst of all of this was everybody gets to do this and nobody, nobody gets punished? Like you could take a can of pop and throw it through a window and no consequences? There was, there was a different set of rules that took place when there was anger and hatred in the mix. When hatred was present towards that other team, now the rules changed as to how people could express themselves. And I found myself in the midst of this school environment saying, how did the rules change? How did the rules become so worldly that now you can do something that's clearly against the law and it be celebrated? I mean, there was a guy rocking, the, rocking, the, rocking, and finally when the car flipped over, everybody cheered. They celebrated as these guys were going crazy. How did the worldly rules change? Today, as we dive into God's word, 
we're going to see that the world has a set of rules that are very different. Very different than what the Christian set of rules, our understanding, our operation, the way by which we go life. There's our rules being the people of God and there's the world's conduct and they are not on the same team. Turn with me to John chapter 15. We've been in our study called Abide, looking at John chapter 15, the importance of abiding in Christ. And if you need a Bible, there's one at the tables over there and over here. And if you don't feel like walking, raise your hand and one of our amazing servants will bring one to you. We are in John chapter 15. And when someone, if you grabbed one of those white Bibles, could tell us what page that is, we'll make sure everyone's there together. 586. Thank you, brother. 586. John chapter 15. We're looking at verses 18 through 20. You know we've been in this book of John. It's talking about this beautiful gardener being the father and that Jesus is the vine and we are branches extended off of Jesus and we must acknowledge the role that we are the one that gets to be connected to the source. We are the one that gets to be uh, fed from the source, from the Father, the Son, unto us. And the challenge or the call is for us all to bear fruit. But part of the fruit-bearing process is that God comes along and does something. He prunes us. He, He makes us more strong. He builds us up and strengthens us, but that pruning process ain't always easy. It's not always fun. It's not always joyous. And even though it might be a little painful, it is actually for our good. Some things you look back on in your life and you're like, man, I, I wouldn't have thought that that, that that situation would contribute to my character, would actually make me stronger. But we also realize that a branch apart from the vine can do nothing. You cannot bear fruit in Christ if you are not connected to who Jesus is. And so we are uh, uh, challenged to remain, to cling to Christ, to align with the will of God. And in doing so, we experience the joy of God. And that joy is expressed in us as a family of God, loving one another well. The mark that allows us to be a little bit different than the world. We are called to love. But we don't do it out of our own strength. We do it because God looked at you and he said, you're chosen. You're chosen for something greater. You're chosen to reflect me. You're chosen to bear fruit. So remain close so that your fruit may reflect me. But now look, if all of those things are true, if you have been chosen and you are clinging to Christ and you are bearing fruit, sometimes it comes with some opposition. Actually, when we look at verses 18 through 25 today in chapter 15, 
It doesn't come with something like opposition because opposition can sound like, oh, we just differ and there's a little bit of challenge. Actually, the word that we're going to see used throughout this text is hate. Hatred. Look at me in verse 18. If the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. But because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, therefore the world hates you. Remember the word that I said to you, a servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But all these things they will do to you on account of my name, because they do not know him who sent me. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without cause. Verse 18, if the world hates you, the world hates you. Every now and then it's really important for us to define terms, to understand what term we're looking at. And it's important for us to understand that, that there is a worldly set of rules and there is a godly set of rules. There's a heavenly reality and a worldly reality. And the heavenly reality governs who we are as believers. We set our minds on things above. We have our focus on something that is bigger than just what is on this earthly realm. My son was playing uh, soccer yesterday, and uh, I do this every now and then, but it's far more now and then than it used to be. Like when I try to play hoop with some guys, sometimes I'm playing hoop or my son yesterday was playing soccer, and the different folks were setting up against him. And somebody shot the ball across the field. He happened to stop the ball. And the two guys were coming at him. Before I knew it, he had juked through the two guys. But the whole time he was running, he kind of had one eye on them and one eye on the goal. He was focused on the goal. Yeah, you know, pastor going to take some chances. Yep, he scored the goal, y'all. He scored the goal. You know what I'm saying? But, but in sports, you don't simply look down at the ground the whole time looking at your reality. Actually, you have to look to where you're heading. And so we as believers have our mindset on things above. We are looking at the heavenly reality. If we simply have our mindset on this worldly reality, we will be dismayed. We will be depressed. We will be defeated. But we know that this is a temporary reality and there's a, a long-term goal. But that we do have an opponent. An opponent that hates us. An opponent that, that wants to see our demise. Even though God sees the world as something that he can redeem, Satan is the 
prince of this world. He's the ruler of this world. So Satan sets the rules here. 1 John 2, verses 15 through 16 say, Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires of the flesh and the desires of the eyes and pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. World. The world. I was... uh, raised in the, in the hood in East Cleveland, and I had all types of friends. I had all types of folks that I kicked it with, all types of people that I loved. But then I, I, I began to realize there's a difference between growing up in the hood and being hood. I grew up in the hood, but I had some friends that, that was hood. And this was, the, this was the clear difference of knowing who was hood and who wasn't. I would have friends over, and we would be kicking it, playing video games. It's daylight like it is now. They stay for lunch, have a little lunch. We still playing video games. They stay for dinner. We still playing video games. It's dark outside. The street lights came on, and nobody's looking for this brother. He's not checking in with anybody. There is no sense of accountability. At some point, my mama comes and got to kick him out. See, that's when I realized there's a different, oh, there's rules like that? Where you could just wander the streets all night and there's no accountability? That's when I knew, like, oh, there's a, there's a different rhythm of the hood that my mom and dad sheltered me from. I know that, that I, I can say a lot of stuff. They protected me from some of the stuff that was out there lurking, some of the stuff my homies got into. There's a different set of rules and how interesting it was that even, even in my young age, I thought I wanted those rules. I thought those rules were better. I thought having that freedom was going to be good for me. And that's what the worldly set of rules does. It's enticing. It tries to lure you in as if it's going to be better than the godly way. I began to, 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 to use God's gift in me. I began to, uh, to, to encourage people. It's one of the things I love. Like if you're on my team and you, and you can't shoot at all, but you've been trying, I'm going to be like, man, good try. Do it again, even though we both know you ain't going to make a shot. You know what I'm saying? today. But I see the hope. I'm in there. I believe in you. But then I started realizing I could use that gift to manipulate. I could begin to suck up to people and tell them what they want to hear, and I could begin to progress. I actually could advance through the ranks if I fed people's ego, and I would be rewarded. You see how evil that system is where, where, where it dances in front of you something that you could benefit from, even if it's ungodly, even if it's worldly, even if it plays by its own set of rules? See, we got to be careful. And, and, and here, Satan is crafty. He's slick. And Christ is saying, watch it. You're a Christian. 
The world hates you. Don't be tempted to play by their rules. Don't forget that's your opponent. Don't forget it's not on your side. Oh, it looks like it may be a benefit. Don't you do it. Don't tell them what they want to hear when you know that it's not honest. Hate comes in, and this hate that, that, he, that he speaks of is, is a hate that's targeted just towards believers. Believers that reflect Jesus, believers that look like him. Continue with me in verse 15. If you were of the world, the world would love you as its own. Ain't that the truth? See, we, 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 we act as if love can only be found in the Christian circles. But prior to Christ, and some of us while in Christ making foolish decisions, have found communities that love us. People that will show you whatever support you need, whatever encouragement you want, as long as you abide by the ungodly rules. If you cheating and I'm cheating, as long as we don't hold each other accountable, it's all good. Never forget the most terrifying time in my life. I think I told y'all about this. I'm seven years old in a grocery store, and I'm like, man, that Nestle Crunch look good, cool. Grab that bad boy, sloop, slipped him up the sleeve, start walking out the store, and the guy came and grabbed my arm, and he was just above the Nestle Crunch. Scared the mess out of me. But my friend and I got away. And what was sad is that my friend kind of continued on in that life. And that fear was enough for me because I had a dad at home that was, uh, that fear was enough for me. (laughs) But what should have happened is I should have said, hold on, bro. We don't need to do this. We both have parents that will supply for us. Let's go work. Let's go do whatever. Let's go mow some grass. Let's go do. But instead, I let him play by his rules. And he began to get loved by it. He began to get new clothes, fresh stuff, all the newest things. He was living a lifestyle that was ungodly. The world will love you for conducting yourself in its rhythm, abiding by its rules, but we can't. Why? Because in verse 19 he says, because you are not of the world and I have chosen you out of the world. I have died so that you might live. You can't be like them because you are mine. Chosen. Chosen. Sometimes as a kid, I used to think it sucked. Oh, my mama won't let me go. Now I realized the, the, the health in having godly accountability. But I chose you out of the world. And the result of being chosen means that there's a target on your back. It means that you are Hated. It means that you are seen as a reflection of Christ and there is hatred coming your 
way. I'll say some things that have, that have seemed uh, like hate-worthy topics lately for Christians in our era. There were different eras where different things were uh, uh, brought to the forefront. In our era, here are some of the things that could put a target on your back. You having a traditional view of marriage, believing that marriage is between a man and a woman. You can have a target on your back as a Christian. You believing that life does not begin at the point of a child taking their first breath, but that life begins in the womb prior to breathing. Target can be placed on your back that people should not work so much that they pursue greed and worship a false god. That we have checks and balances for when our work begins to be something that we worship. That love is not defined by an emotion. And if you've been in any relationship long enough, friendship, marriage, cousinship, Authorship, brothership, you will at some point realize that the good feeling of love is not what keeps it together at all times. That we do things because people need help. For instance, I find it interesting that Jesus has this this parable where he's saying, hey, there's going to be some of you that will, that will experience me, but you won't even know it. And you'll say, where, where did we experience you, Jesus? And he'll say, you fed me. You clothed me. He'll say, you visited me in prison. Notice he doesn't say, you visited me an innocent person in prison. There may be some guilty folk, but still you came to visit them. There may be some folks that messed up, but still you clothed them. There may be some folks that did some stupid stuff, but yet you still fed them. That type of thing can get a target on your back because you are not operating as the world. Oftentimes the world would say, ah, you make your bed, you lie in it. This is not something that's, that's unique to us. And if any time we're thinking about persecution as believers, we've got to have it rooted in what took place within the gospel story. They are experiencing persecution at this time. Any body that's closely resembling the way or the Christianity that follows Jesus Christ has now been kicked out of the synagogue. So the connection to the, the Jewish heritage of our faith has now been separated. Persecution is beginning to happen. And so as Jesus is saying these things, his believers are suffering. They're feeling it. Continue with me in verse 20. Remember the word, though, that I said to you. A servant is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they will also persecute you. If they kept my word, they will also keep yours. But, also, but all these things they will do to you on account of my name. 
because they do not know him who sent me. I, uh, wifey had found a, a Groupon back in the day. Do people still do Groupon? Damn, I was dating myself. That's old school. That's old school. I know. I know. I'm going to say, no, she had a coupon book, and she was flipping through. Okay. So she had a Groupon, and uh, it was still like this, like this water place that was like, like, uh, kind of like Grand Wolf Lodge or Grand, whatever that place is, something like that. But it was a cheap one. <laughs> and so we had like the, you know, the hotel room and the water park. And I got all the kids, so we got them lined up. Each one's behind me. And they have this giant bucket that just comes down, these arches that spray. And so the kids are all lined up. Okay, Dad, we're going to go right with you. Okay. So I go, and then they go. And as I walk through and I get sprayed and doused, they're fully covered, fully immersed in it, just because they were following Dad. See, Jesus is laying out to us that he is following the plans of the Father. He is doing the will of the Father. And in doing so, he's showing the world, world, your set of rules do not rule. They do not win. God will be honored. And that type of exposure, that type of conviction, when you see that everything you've built your world on is crumbling, it brings forth anger. It brings forth hatred. And so they channeled that hatred at Jesus. Satan is conquered, and he is angry at Jesus. And guess who is the closest Jesus he can harm? You. You reflect Jesus. You are Jesus' chosen people. And so Satan now throws this hate at me, at you, at us. You might say, well, pastor, like, you, 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 you breaking down, like, yep, I'm, 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 I'm pro-life, and I, sometimes I hate terms like that because what it, it, it puts us in these camps of, oh, because I'm for babies and I'm against women having freedom with their own bodies, like, I don't, nope, I'm not a, nope, I ain't gonna let you put me like that, like, I, I believe women should have freedom and some choices for sure, and I'm 100% for children. Thank you. Amen. Come on. But, but, there, but there are tactics that Satan is trying to use in America to, to calm us, to make us not feel the hatred that is real. If you and I can be comfortable then we cannot realize that we're under attack. There are some third world countries where it's a, lot, it's a lot easier to understand when hatred and when these attacks are coming. Allow me to share one. In Egypt, there's a story that Father George shared from, um, from an article a blog that I watched called True Stories of the Persecuted, read from True Stories of the Persecuted Church Around the World. It says, bombs blew up at two historic Coptic churches in Egypt on Palm Sunday, 2017, killing nearly 
50 parishioners and injuring more than 100 others. Just hours after the blast, amid outrage, grief, Father George stepped before his panicked church and gave the terrorists a three-point sermon that went viral worldwide. It was entitled, A Message to Those Who Kill Us. His three points were simple but not cliche. Thank you. We love you. We're praying for you. Father George says, thank you, because terrorists gave the dead the honor to die as Christ died, because the terrorists shortened the victim's journey to their heavenly home, because the terrorists allowed Christians to fulfill God's words in Luke chapter 10, verse 3, which says, behold, I send you out as lambs among wolves, and because the terrorists' actions made people mindful of their eternal destinies. The church was, in fact, now overflowing with people who didn't ordinarily attend. Then Father George said, we love you because even murderers and thieves love those who love them, but only followers of Jesus are taught to love our enemies. Father George closed his message with, we're praying for you because he reasoned if a terrorist could taste the love of God even one time, it would drive hatred from his heart. A different set of rules. You see, one set of rules that responds in anger, in hate, in violence, and another that responds with the powerful tool of prayer, the powerful tool of submitting to God, the powerful tool of witnessing. And the powerful tool of worship. See, there's two different realities. And Christ is saying, I've chosen you to be mine no matter what the stakes are, no matter what the temptation is, no matter the situation. I pray that we are not lulled to sleep, that we don't get so comfortable that we stop what would bring forth a target on our backs. I pray that we don't stop fighting for justice and fighting to see the impoverished have some of the basic things. That we don't stop fighting against systems that are broken, that favor the wealthy over the poor or favor this group over that group. I pray that we don't allow subtle things to enter into our minds that lead us into a worldly response. Like, like try Jesus, but don't try me because I throw hands. You know, I've, I've listened to that song. I've laughed about it. You know, it's a, it's a, it's a catchy little phrase. But sadly, it's the posture that many Christians have taken. Of, of not one of humility, not one of deference, but one of say something to me again. I'm going to show you what my Jesus can do. Like leading with this as a Christian. You see, it's subtle things like that where, where now we begin to veer off and venture more into Satan's rules instead of God's rules, which says, my enemy, I'm going to pray for. My enemy, I'm going, thank you, because I know God is still at work, and he can even use you as a tool in my life. 
I'm sorry I got a few stories today, y'all, but I want you to connect with the greater church because we know persecution exists of believers, but it's bigger than just here in Mac Ave. It's a worldwide thing. My brother Billy in Somalia says, Somalia might be the most dangerous place in the world. Decades of conflict have gutted the country's infrastructure. Somalia's economy ranks dead last among nations, and it isn't a matter of if you will experience a terrorist attack, but when. Billy was born into a religious family in Mogadishu. His father was a tribal and religious leader who had memorized the entire Quran. Out of curiosity, Billy started studying an English Bible alongside his Quran. After three years of study, he converted to Christianity. He learned a lot from Christian radio broadcasts that were coming over from Kenya, and it was on the radio that he first heard the voice of another Somali Christian. Billy's family threatened him when he confessed his new faith. That was when he first began to understand the words of Paul in 2 Timothy 2, 2 Timothy 3, verse 12. Everyone who wants to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Six years after his conversion, Billy met his first Christian Somali. Together as underground Christians, they gathered 14 believers and started an underground church. A year later, Muslims discovered the growing Christian community. And unfortunately, out of the 14, only two remain alive. But those two have gone on to contribute towards the church flourishing in Somalia underground. Family persecution happens. It's real. But it's something that happens because of our connection and deep love for Christ and his love for us. And at some point in our lives, you should not be on the corner just trying to get attention. But the question is, do you live a life in a way where you would be targeted for something that reflects Jesus? One of the things I, I remembered uh, Pastor Eric saying some years ago was that he was shocked when a person that he was in close relationship with said to him, oh, I didn't know you were a Christian. Let that not be our, our let that not happen to us. Let that not be our reality. You can still be a believer, but you're not of the world. Chosen by God. Look at me at verse 22. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin, but now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my father also. This is all the rolling out of the will of the father. Us being able to be connected to Jesus, our branch, our vine, we being the branch, the Father being the gardener, all of that, you being able to reflect fruit, all of that is a part of the will of God. And when people hear the will of God, you have a choice. You can accept it 
or you can reject it. And when you reject it, you're not simply rejecting the words that you find on a page. You're not simply rejecting a cool quote over somebody's mantle. You're not simply rejecting the cross that somebody's dangling on their neck. You're rejecting the Father himself. John 6, 29 says, This work of God is all that you would believe in him who he has sent. Get ready to take y'all on home. Verse 24. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my father, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled, that they hated me without cause. I love that, that, that one of the funniest uh, um, miracles that Jesus was able to perform had to do with wine. I don't know. See, y'all ain't even supposed to watch Kings of Comedy. I don't know if... If, if you've heard the different jokes about Jesus, like multiplying the wine at the, at the wedding, but, but what, I, what I find, though, is, is this small phrase that you find in John chapter 2, verse 11. Because even if you're a child, you heard of this, this wedding feast happening and, and this celebration happening and Jesus' first miracle recorded is, is him making more wine so that there could be a delightful experience at this wedding feast. But, but, but why did he do it? Verse 11 tells us why he did it. John chapter 2, it says this, the first of his signs Jesus did at Cana in Galilee Galilee, and manifested his glory and his disciples believed in him. Believed in him. All of the miracles that he's performing, all of this is to give you an opportunity to believe in him. And so these folks that are hating Jesus, that hate us, that hate any fruit that would look like him, do so because of their lack of belief in our Lord and Savior. I'll leave you with this last, this last story. And my prayer is that as you hear these stories, you would connect with the church that is bigger than just our church, the bigger than just the church here, that as you go through things in your own life and take a stand for Jesus and realize when hatred is coming your way, that you will have a sure foundation by which you can stand on. And you can know that your sisters and brothers have endured hardship as well. And it's for a heavenly reward. It's for a long-term goal. In a journal called Today in the World, it says, During China's Boxer Rebellion of 1900, insurgents captured a mission station. They blocked all the gates but one, and in front of that one gate placed a cross on the ground. Then the word was passed to those inside that any who trampled the cross under their foot would be permitted their freedom and life and that any refusing would be shot. 
terribly frightened. The first seven trampled the cross under their feet and were allowed to go free. But the eighth student, a young girl, she refused to commit to the sacrilegious act. Kneeling beside the cross in prayer for strength, she arose and moved carefully around the cross and went out to face the firing squad. Strengthened by her example, every one of the remaining 92 students followed her to the firing squad. There's no guarantee that because you're hated, you're going to be protected. That it's going to be a a nice life that we will be able to, to actually be comforted physically. And what God says is, I will be with you until the end. Until the very end. Even if that end comes through pain. Even if that end comes through being misunderstood. Even if it comes from discomfort. Even if it comes through being hated. I will be with you. He modeled it. Hated on a cross. He modeled it. Praying for his enemy while on a cross. He modeled it. Saying, forgive them for they know not what they do. He modeled it. He modeled conducting himself by a different set of rules. Rules that were heavenly. That looked forward towards an eternal glory. My prayer for you and for me is that we'd be willing to do the same. And that we would see that if if abiding in Christ allows us to have this great fruit, that that beautiful fruit is going to look great to some and be a target of hate for others. Let us pray. Lord, when we are targeted, when hate is real, help us to cling close to you. Help us to remain in you. Help us to abide in you. Help us not to cower. Father, we've yet to have to experience something like what has been described, where people's life were on the line for choosing you. But Lord, don't let us be lulled to sleep. Don't let our comforts lead us into thinking that there's no hatred for us because Satan is still busy. Satan is still at work, and Satan still would love us to not be as missional as we should be. Fill us and lead us. Holy Spirit, it's in your name we pray. Amen. Church family, there is a day of prayer that takes place on November 7th, and there's some additional, thank you, some additional uh, resources that are going to be available um, throughout the month of November, but it's an international day of prayer for persecuted Christians. I want to invite you uh, on the 7th, and definitely here we'll take some time to do that prayer, but I want to invite you in your personal life to be praying for the persecuted church, people that are, are not necessarily out trying to like put a big banner up and talk Hey, let's change the whole world. It's some people who are just trying to read the Bible together. 
But let us remember that they are our brothers. They are our sisters in the Lord, and we want to be pursuing Christ on their behalf. Amen? Amen.